Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, FD Weekend listeners. This is Lila. You might have noticed that we have been trying out a new format on the show, and I'm here with an exciting announcement, which is that on Monday, November 6th, we are relaunching this show with two episodes a week instead of one. It's going to be called Life and Art from FT Weekend. Mondays will be one-on-one conversations where we ask questions about life, and Fridays will be group chats with my colleagues where we have a discussion about art. Fridays will sound a lot like what you're about to hear. The show will still be in this feed. Also, thank you for listening and for all the ways you all contribute to this show. As I'm sure you know, making it for you is a total honor for us. And we're just really thrilled to give you what you asked for, which is more. Okay, here's the episode. Welcome to FT Weekend. I'm your host, Lila Raptopoulos. And we're entering Halloween week for all of those who celebrate. So today we're bringing you a special episode about why we like to be scared and what scares us. To do that, we are dissecting the 1978 horror classic, the film Halloween by John Carpenter, partially because this week marks its 45th anniversary. Joining me from London is Manuela Saragossa, the FT's executive producer of audio and a short story writer who dabbles in horror. One of her stories was in a Stephen King anthology. Hi, Manuela. Hi, Lila. And also, you're going to hate me for this, but it's the boogeyman. (laughs) The boogeyman is outside. (laughs) More importantly, it is FT Weekend Magazine editor Matt Vela. Hi, Matt. Hi. Least threatening boogeyman ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so just to start, I have to tell you both that I really have always hated horror films. I also have probably not given them the chance they deserve. Um, But I just don't feel excited about being scared. I don't get why people enjoy being scared. It feels stupid and bad. (laughs) (laughs) Is there um, some childhood trauma? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) uh, maybe I can't separate uh, reality from fiction. uh, But I actually really liked this movie. I'm going to take a little walk. Look at the boogeyman. I'm scared. There's nothing to be scared of. He can't kill the boogeyman. So today we're here to talk about Halloween, and this is the deal with this movie. It is debatably considered one of the first slasher films ever. It definitely defined a genre. And when Halloween came out, it was this tiny indie film. It was 1978. It had a tiny budget. But after it came out, it spread like wildfire by word of mouth and became this huge hit. And over the past... 40-something years, there have been 12 remakes and spinoffs, and the franchise has grossed over $880 million. Um, Crazy. It's wild. (laughs) Matt, can you quickly, what is it about? How would you describe what it's about? (laughs) So, I mean, the the short version is the plot centers on this kid, Michael Myers, who's institutionalized when he's six years old for for killing his sister with a knife. Mm -hmm. And many years later, he breaks out 
returns to the town and terrorizes the town, killing a bunch of teenagers and and trying to kill um, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, who, you know, it's her first de- debut role and she it plays uh, a babysitter. Yeah. It's pretty wild to see in the opening credits introducing Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's wild. Um, so this brings us right into like what you both thought. Like, what surprised you about it? What you liked about it? Uh, what was funny about it? Manuela, this was the first time you watched it. What did you think? It was the first time I watched it. So, um, okay, I appreciate the the kind of handheld camera thing where you see things from the point of view of, of Michael Myers, the villain. And that that was all really, I imagine, quite new for its time. It was novel, um, yeah. Yeah, it was really novel. But I thought the pacing was off. Um, I thought it was quite dull, actually. I thought a lot of it was dull. I was really expecting. I sat down thinking, right, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be scared. Can I say shitless? Scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I just wasn't. Yeah. I just wasn't. I just thought, oh, it's a bit. And actually, my daughter came came downstairs and she's like, oh, shall I watch it? And I said, like, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. It was just, it was just uh, quite disappointing. And also, I thought the whole thing about. These, this, it was so sexist. Seeing it now from our uh, point of view here, you know, how many, 40 years later, mm. uh, and you see it and you think, oh, all the sex crazed teenagers get killed, the virginal girl is saved. It's, it's just so dated. Mm. It's so dated. People say, oh, it, it, it became famous because it really did a great job of hamming up the tension. And I did not get that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the music is pretty good tension wise but yeah. yeah i completely agree even if you like compare it to some of hitchcock's films which are much older the tension when something like rope or even psycho is is way higher even if you've seen it already i mean part of that is like all movies from the 70s seem to be like really slowly paced and mm-hmm. that must have some kind of technical reason but um I didn't find myself bored so much as I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, (laughs) it was funny. I mean, the most absurd moment for me was sort of toward the end. There was a teenage couple who are having sex in somebody's parents' bed and an (laughs) empty house. And then um, the boyfriend goes downstairs. Michael Myers kills him downstairs and he comes back up to the girlfriend who's waiting in bed and he slowly opens the door and he's got a white sheet over him. <laughs> was he wearing glasses? He's no, he, wearing the boyfriend's the boy- glasses oh, that's it. Yeah. on top. And like, I really couldn't imagine how that could have been scary. And I just couldn't stop laughing. I just thought it was hilarious, you know. Uh, I felt that way also uh, towards the end. Jamie Lee Curtis stabs Michael Myers with a knife and she's like relaxing and thinks so she finally killed him and can relax. And then like suddenly behind her, like, yeah, I, <laughs> he just I, like I, that, oh, yeah. that, scene really, that scene really annoyed me as well, because you, you, you kill someone and or you think you've killed someone and then you turn your back on them. And just, I mean, so many characters what? in this movie do that. <laughs> yeah. But also yeah. the way he like comes up, it's like the Bella Lugosi like vampire yes. thing. And it's just it's so hammy. It's yeah, got like it's a good. ham handed quality to it, which is very funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can imagine if I'd seen that 
back in the 80s, mm-hmm. it probably would have really scared me and I would have been, you know, it would have made a deep impression, particularly because it takes the familiar and it makes it unfamiliar or scary. And I think that was it, that was probably quite new as well at the time, quite a new thing to do to take familiar settings and things and give them a completely different spin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think what both of you are saying is what I felt too, which is that like I really had trouble separating the nostalgia of watching a 70s movie from being able to like critically have an opinion about it at all because there was like a lot of joy in just watching young Jamie Lee Curtis like wearing these bell bottoms and smoking weed with her friend in the car on the way to babysitting (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I could kind of only see it like a historic document. Mm -hmm. I also really like respect that it was one of the first movies that came after The Exorcist and after the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it was one of the first movies that like kind of took the horror and brought it to your neighborhood. Like it wasn't, mm. super, it wasn't supernatural. It wasn't totally implausible. It was just this crazy guy who was weird and he escaped an insane asylum and he went to a normal neighborhood and like stabbed you or choked you with your phone cord until you died. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you, you see it and you, you can see all the rules that were, that it's establishing yes. for maybe movies that are more watchable that came after uh, so you can appreciate it on that level, but it, it is hard to sort of like not be kind of shouting at the TV. The other <laughs> scene that just made me laugh so much was when one point Jamie Lee Curtis looks outside and he's standing in the like watching her from the laundry. Yeah, near like, where on the, the from the neighbor's yard yeah. where, where the laundry's hang up, it, hung up. It, yeah, yeah, it just looks ridiculous. It could be the Notebook, you know, like <laughs> you you could, you could like see like a different version of that where it's like the music is different. I mean, part of it is because he's kind of a meme meme character at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually really interesting that it feels like the horror gets less horrific over time. And it's not just because like there's better uh, technology now that makes things look more realistic or more scary, but it seems like it's maybe something more too. like maybe what we think is going on in the movie changes over time. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like w- watching it this time, to me, to me, it was like, it looked like a movie about suburbia, right? Mm-hmm. Like all I could, what I walked away in thinking about was those big, it takes place in Illinois. So it's those big empty streets. Everything is flat. Mm-hmm. Everything is kind of regimented. There's no people. Yeah. Like everything is empty. And um, it felt really like it felt like the commentary about what was going on in suburbia at the time in the United States. That seemed sophisticated to me and, and, and interesting and, and pretty cutting. Like there's a point where a grave digger is showing the doctor around and he says, every small town has a story like this, referring to the six year old who chopped up his sister. And I'm like, what kind of like what towns is this? what small towns is, is this? Haddonfield or whatever it's called <laughs> near like that's insane yeah um and then there's at a point later on the uh like the sheriff is just des- describing the town and it sounds like he's describing a cemetery you know like I can't remember exactly what he says but he's describing one family next to each other next to another next to another and it's supposed to be like this dreamy description of the suburbs but it's actually exactly what you get in a cemetery like right. one plot next to the next plot which is the same size as the plot that, that you know it's not comforting at all it feels like really alienating yeah. i left wondering like did hollywood run with 
quote unquote, like sexy girls and knife, like killer with a knife, when actually there might have been a movie about like the alienation of suburbia or whatever. <laughs> yeah. OK, so this is a movie that I actually liked partially because it didn't scare me. <laughs> <laughs> and Manuela, you didn't really like partially because it didn't scare you uh, and it didn't scare any of us. So <laughs> what would have made it scary? I think a more fleshed out villain. I think yeah. there was no backstory mm. to that villain at all. Michael Myers, it was completely senseless. Like, what, what is he doing? Uh, you know, what happened to him before the age of six? Mm. Did his parents not realize he was a psychopath? Mm. You know, <laughs> all this kind of backstory. There was so much more they could have done. And it felt very kind of, uh, it was a bare bones script, wasn't it? Um, yeah. What would have scared you, Lila, since you're the yeah. most... <laughs> so what would have scared me more? Honestly... Bloody faces, chainsaws, stringy, disgusting hair. You know, uh, I I expected, it's called a slasher film. I expected as a category that it would be um, more more gross. Mm. Uh, and that it, those are the things that I hate the most. Um, Jeepers Creepers, The Ring, oh, you know, uh, Exorcist. Mm. It yeah. didn't do any of that. I mean, I think it's gore, isn't it? And it's yeah. it's cheap thrills, jump scares, that kind of thing. That's That's the point. Of, mm. of those kind of horror movies mm -hmm. rather than this sort of um, heightened or anxiety that drags on for mm. the sort of one and a half hours of the film <laughs> where you kind of don't know where it's going. You kind of know from the beginning of yeah. this film what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's so obvious. There's no, there's no sort of surprise there. Yeah. So the, 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 the magic of the film, I suppose, is in the jump scares, in yeah. the sort of, you mm -hmm. know, opening the door and there he is and he comes through the door mm. and they weren't expecting it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it feels like, you know, the genre's like gotten much wider and there are probably a million sort of variations on slasher is probably not really even a useful term anymore just because there's so many micro genres or whatever you want to call them. Like, I I think... Stuff that's really gory, that's about body horror, saw kind of things. Mm -hmm. I, I don't find them scary. I just find it kind of gross and not Disgusting. pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> but then there are like there is the whole genre of kind of high, high tension horror movies that, that there are a lot of there have been a lot of fantastic ones. Mm -hmm. All of Jordan Peele's movies kind of operate on that frequency where you kind of know what's going to happen. But then it's the unbearable tension of, yeah, like, of getting yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I immediately after I finished watching <laughs> Halloween, I watched The Babadook, which okay. I think is one of the best <laughs> horror movies okay. ever made. Ever made. Why? It just um I think because it's psych psychological, but it's it is horror. There is an an element of supernatural in it, and it's about grief, mm. and it's sort of about grief personified. It sort of haunts this mother and child. She's lost her husband. Uh, in a car crash, and he, this this um, this being haunts them, and it is actually her grief. Mm. But also, right. she turns against her child, so it's mm. so unnatural, and it's so, and you don't know what's going to happen. Then you think, oh my god, what mm. is she going to do? Mm. But it's it's so well done, and it's so well written. Mm. Um, yeah, and the it Babadook was just such a is... contrast to, to to Halloween. Yeah, yeah, the Babadook is a Australian psychological horror it is. film. It's from yes. twenty fourteen. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. Um, Baba Duke is really an interesting example. And also Matt Get Out is a really interesting example mm. because it is a movie that like takes something that uh, <laughs> that, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, like a white guy who says, I 
I voted for Obama <laughs> both times Five and times then brings it into profile. sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the most extreme example of a thing that a lot of people feel every day uh, and sticks with you all, forever. Uh, or that movie sticks with me. I think about it all the time. Mm. Um, what so what are we pinpointing here like what makes a movie good at scaring people what makes a scary movie like good at its job i think the way that the answer to that changes is sort of telling us what's going on in the world because like mm -hmm. halloween is just this somewhat i mean you know we don't really know his backstory as you as you said and he's just a kind of supernatural force and I thought one thing that was interesting is that this movie comes out like a year after Star Wars, I think. And he, mm. it's like very Darth Vader. Like every time you see his perspective, you hear that breathing. And there's yes. something kind of like terrifying on a Freudian level about that breathing. It's like dying is not the scary thing. It's not being able to die that's the scary thing. And <laughs> that breath is that like... You know, it's the relative who won't die. That's the like, <laughs> horror. But you don't like none of that is scary because a supernatural dude in overalls and a and a, and a mask is not scary to us in 2023. Yeah, uh, well, it depends on the situation. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but not not in the same way that Get Out is like wrecks you because sort of liberal racism or whatever you want to call it is something that is, you know. We insidious all, and everywhere and yeah and current. we've all been kind of trying to figure that out or a lot of people have been kind of unpacking that yeah. and it's interesting that all of jordan peele's movies they have that sort of social relations element is the core like scary thing rather than like some guy with a knife which right. is scary but i think our relations between each other is like the source of all our great horror at the moment or grief, as yeah. you said, about the yeah. Babadook. Like, a, that's a kind of interpersonal thing. Yeah. I I think what you're you're right, and, and things that pick up on sort of social issues of the day, like racism, they kind of take those primal fears and turbocharge mm -hmm. it in horror movies. Mm -hmm. yeah. So even people who might not have thought about it in any great detail can certainly feel it mm. when they see a movie like Get Out, you mm. know. You may not have been subjected to prejudice, but my God, by the end of that movie, you know what that feels Everyone like. Everyone has been <laughs> yeah. somebody in that yeah. movie. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you both explain this. It's actually making me like <laughs> the idea of scary movies more <laughs> because when I was brainstorming this before, I had all of these ideas of why people might like scary movies that I was going to throw at you. Like, is it that it triggers adrenaline and we feel alive afterwards? Is it that it, you know, helps us explore dark stuff through another storyline? But it sounds like it's something different. Like, it's more than that. Like, it's actually taking fears or anxieties that we already have and just making them quite literal <laughs> so we can look at them better. Yeah, Does that I mean, right? I think that's pretty insightful. Yeah. Like, no one wants to, like, really think about death, right? It's not that fun <laughs> to, <laughs> to understate the case. But to be able to kind of see it on screen and to be able to either laugh at it or to, like, escape it, that seems like a pretty obvious And actually, value. talk about that, that, that some of the funniest movies I've seen have been horror comedies. Yeah. 
like yeah. the return of the living dead. Yeah. I, I remember seeing that as a teenager. Yeah. I was absolutely in hysterics. And I find also that when you're frightened, already frightened, you laugh even more. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yes. it's a yeah. hysteria kind mm -hmm. of thing. So as we sort of start to wrap up, I'm curious, what is it then? Well, why do you think we like being scared? Yeah, I think it makes you feel things more intensely, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. um, definitely the, the horror movies I've enjoyed the most have made me think as mm. well, made mm. me think and see things slightly differently mm. uh, in a way that I hadn't thought about them before. And what about you, Lila? Why do you hate horror? Well, I was thinking about it and I realized that actually part of what I hate about it is just that like, <laughs> I know that like people like horror when they feel like kind of safe and they can detach what's happening from reality. Um, but as a child, I watched Titanic from outside of the theater. <laughs> I might have trouble detaching <laughs> what I see from reality. Um, and so even wait. when there's like a scary guy walking around I'm a sorry, random wait. suburb and you know it's fake. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? You were scared of what was going to happen in Titanic? And so I didn't want it. them to die. I just, it's just Aww. too much empathy, man. I'm too good of a person. But you knew the boat was going to sink when you walked into the... I, I remember watching that movie and thinking for the first one and a half hours it didn't sink. And we were all in there. We were a bunch of you know, young people yeah. just waiting yeah. for this boat to bloody stop sink. <laughs> just like, come on, just can you sink already? Okay. Oh, no, I was ready to go after it started, after, after the iceberg showed up. I see. Um, but I do feel like you guys are convincing me of something, uh, uh, which is that these horror films allow us to look at things that are hard uh, for, like, us at a certain time in, in the world or a time in society to look at and really make them quite literal and make them quite tangible mm -hmm. so that we can actually kind of grapple with them and walk away and actually feel like something is staying with us that we've mm -hmm. learned. Mm -hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, totally. I think we did it together. Okay, Matt and Manuela, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Thanks, thank you. Lila. Thanks. Thanks. That's the show this week. Thank you for listening to FT Weekend, the life and arts podcast of the Financial Times. We have some links to some spooky Halloween content in the show notes. Those links will all get you past the paywall on FT.com. We also have incredible discounts if you want a subscription to the FT. Those offers are at FT.com slash weekend podcast. Make sure to use that link. If you want to say hi, we love hearing from you. You can email us at ftweekendpodcast at ft.com. The show is on Twitter, or I will begrudgingly say X at ftweekendpod. And I am always here to chat with all of you on Instagram at Lila Rapp. I'm Lila Raptopoulos, and here's my incredible team. Katya Kamkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith is our producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Javinko with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forges is our executive producer and lover of the film Halloween. And our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll find each other again next week.